1: Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and today our topic is um, uh, music, the international language, and medication. So a little bit different than we're used to thinking of just music. So um, I just really think it would be a rare person who would not agree that music is the universal language. Though there is a huge range of types of music, some we may love and some not so much, all music started basically from the same source, and that source is the heart. Someone, somewhere, consciously or unconsciously, started replicating the sound of the heart. We might wonder if the original reason was because it was relaxing, energizing, and maybe even healing. We still live in a world of rhythm. And as we have modernized those rhythms, some would say that we've gotten lost in the cacophony of our lives, city, traffic, building, plane noises, yet our bodies, especially in illness, crave the sounds of nature and healing. When my chronic pain began to be overwhelming in the 1980s, I would become so anxious I couldn't sleep. I couldn't even rest. One day, I bought a five-spot CD player and music that I thought might be soothing. It was. It allowed me to lay down and be absorbed into the gentle rhythms and beats of the heart. And it allowed me to rest as I gave in to the rhythms um, that may have been reminding of the womb. My guest today is Ann Taylor. She's a nurse, and she discovered the music research of Niels Iyer during a similar period in her life of discord around the mental health issues of her family. The music is called Music Cure, and Ann Taylor is a nurse, a mother, and a conduit to this amazing healing music through her business, ScandicHealth.com. Join us. Thank you so much, Leanne. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. Um, we should tell uh, our audience that even though you are a Danish nurse, you are here in the United States, correct?
2: That's correct. I've been here for 20 years now.
1: Yeah, so a long time, almost like home. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of feel I have two. Yeah. So if you could just share with us a little bit about how you got into nursing and then how you got to this music.
2: Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. So growing up in Denmark, I was, I was introduced to healthcare via my mom. She's a physical therapist. And uh, while I was in high school, I got a job working in the kitchen of a nursing home. So that was like my slow introduction. And when I decided to take a gap year after high school, I um, saw That I wanted to try something else, and uh, there was a part of me that thought I was actually going to go into hotel management, so I took a (laughs) job uh, at a hotel in in Copenhagen, um, cleaning rooms and working in the housekeeping department, and then one day in the fall, there was an ad in the paper where an, an American family in St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands was looking for a nanny for a couple of months. And I was 19, and I thought that would be a great opportunity. And um, lo and behold, actually one month into my stay in the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, I met the love of my life, who's now been my husband for 20 years. Wow. And, uh, and upon returning back to Denmark, I ended up working in the same nursing home again. And this time, instead of working in the kitchen, I worked as a nurse's assistant. And within a couple of months, I had this feeling inside of me that this is where I was supposed to be. And my very wise mom, she told me, you have to pick an education that makes you happy because you're going to be doing it for a long time. She was a wise mother. Oh, she is a very, very wise lady. So that's what brought me into the nursing program, and I have a bachelor's degree in nursing, And right after I graduated in Copenhagen, I got my one-way ticket and went to the U.S. and sat for the boards and have been practicing nursing in the U.S. since 1999. I can tell you were a whole
1: lot braver than I was at that age.
2: (laughs) I think sometimes when you're 19, you think that you're bulletproof, Um, (laughs) but I had a I had like an adventure inside of me. I knew that I had access to the whole world and I wanted to travel. I wanted to see different things. I um I, I I was hungry for for something that maybe I wasn't quite aware of what it was I wanted. I just always knew that I wanted to work with people and I've always had a joy in being compassionate for other human beings. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of floating around in that field. But I definitely, by the time that I had made the decision to go to nursing school and the joy that I got out of working in the nursing home, I knew that I was on the right path. So that Mm -hmm. was my beginning into nursing.
1: What kind of experience did you have as a nurse? So when I
2: first came to the U.S., I... um, uh, first, I worked at a large hospital in Miami Beach, and they were so kind to take me in because the process of ap- applying for the nursing board, getting all my paperwork translated, and that took uh, approximately around like eight months. So in that process, I worked as a it was a position that they made for nurse for foreign nurses, especially that had. Graduated with a from a program, but weren't um, hadn't taken the boards yet. So I kind of worked mm-hmm. as a nurse's assistant. Together, with, they paired mm-hmm. me up with an RN, and it was excellent for me because I spoke English, but I didn't speak medical English. Right. So I came it's a big difference having had. Yeah, it was very very different. It was and everything was different for me. It was different in the whole way the healthcare was done. So there were so many things. Basic thing is uh, taking a patient to the bathroom. Hmm. You don't, when you learn English in a foreign country, learn to ask somebody if they need to go to the bathroom and whether they have done number one or number two. So there was a (laughs) lot of things that I had to learn. And so those first eight months were extremely important for me and for my career because I not only learned what everything was called but I also learned the whole workings and the ins and outs of American healthcare and I probably came with the notion thinking that healthcare is healthcare and when people mm-hmm. are ill they're ill. Well, it is and then it's not because and you don't know the Goings and the procedures and how each hospital does it—it's very different from each country. So it was, it was a very trying time. I, it was not all rosy red. It was difficult, but um, once I made it and I sat for the boards and I passed the NCLEX, then um, then I was then I started working at the same floor that had that taken so gently um, care of me in the beginning. So I worked at a busy a fast-paced bed search floor in Miami Beach for the first two years of my career in in America. And then after that, we moved up to the Washington, D.C. area where I spent 10 years working also on a med search floor. I also did some time in secondary recovery and some pre- and post-op procedures. And so it's, that's mainly been my, my uh, focus and where I've been with my nursing so far. So pretty basic, the basic aspects
1: of nursing that you can use anywhere. And I always encourage new nurses to, um, if at all possible, to get one year of that basic, basic stuff. So many times people want to jump right into the ER, the OR, the ICU, or something like that, and... um, Oftentimes, you're so alone because everybody is so busy if it's at a time where there's a lot coming at you. And um, sometimes that can be something where people just get so overwhelmed that they leave, Um, you know, think that they're just not capable of doing it. But some of the things you described in nursing, I think, is what we used to call reality shock that you learn uh-huh. all the book knowledge and even have time in clinical aspect, but never what it's like when you have full, full responsibility for patients. So I think almost anyone who comes out of nursing has that feeling that, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? You know, this is pretty uh-huh. overwhelming.
2: <clears throat> so um, it, it, It's definitely challenging.
1: Yeah. So we want to talk about music. Were you a musician? Or, or tell us how you got connected to this. Uh, it's called Music Cure, correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. So in 2010, my daughter, who at that time was nine, was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I knew very, very little. My husband and I actually had a very small vocabulary to talk about mental health. I took a leave of absence from my job for a couple of months. As anybody can probably relate to, when you have a family member and especially a young child that's severely Mm -hmm. ill, it affects the whole family. So I needed to be able to focus just on on her recovery and my whole family as a whole. And then, again, my very, very, very wise mother uh, came to help us kind of get back up on our feet after the hospital stay and, and in her suitcase she had brought with her a Music Cure CD. At really? the time in 2010, the Musicure music had just been approved by the Danish FDA as an over-the-counter medication, hmm. so she was able to buy it over-the-counter from a pharmacy in Denmark. And then, so we started playing it at home, and I started feeling a calmness coming over our whole house, because the thing is that when... One family member is ill. It's the one family member who gets the medication, who gets the physician care, who gets the majority of the therapy. We did get some family therapy too. But all the other puzzles of the, uh, of the big puzzle are all the other family members and wh- how were we to create some kind of healing environment in our own house. And that started happening when we started playing the Music Your Music. And it just did something to us that I had never, ever seen happen before. And so by the time that I returned back to work, I started sharing it with my patients. I had Mm -hmm. bought an album from iTunes, and I had it on my phone. And like I said, I worked at a a fast-paced surgical unit, so it was a very wide variety of patients in different Mm -hmm. ages, all of them, of course, being adults. Uh-huh. And so I would start I would start putting on the music if I had a confused patient maybe with Alzheimer's, I would just put it next to my computer, sit next to the patient as I was charting, trying to calm the patient. And I just quickly started seeing that that different patients reacted the same way as I saw in my own house. Hmm. i had I had one patient who had a very elaborate, large back surgery. And was in excruciating pain and she had a PCA pump where she could push a button and get uh, narcotics for her pain at different intervals that the anesthesiologist had programmed the machine to. And she was in really bad pain and I turned on the music and I was talking to her and I was able to give her some extra pain medication And I just stayed in the room for an extra 5-10 minutes just to make sure that she was comfortable. And through the whole time, she actually had her eyes closed because she was so uncomfortable. And then she fell Mm. asleep. Mm -hmm. The next day when I came back into the room, she says to me, I don't recognize you by looking at you. But when I hear you speak, Mm. were you the nurse who was in here last night? And were you the nurse with the music? And I said, yes, I was the nurse with the music. And then she just proceeded to tell me that she normally didn't like music, but the way it had played in the background while she was getting the pain medication had soothed her so much that she had been able to sleep for three hours wow. and it had just really changed her whole night. And now mm-hmm. she was ready for a new day ahead. So I had so many of these experiences and... um And as my daughter was recovering and getting better and better and, you know, recovery has many stages and it's not a straight road, Uh, it's very bumpy, but that's just how life is. I started feeling that there were several aspects here that I needed to share because I also encountered, because of her diagnosis, I encountered a black wall of stigma that surrounded, Mm -hmm. surrounding mental illness terribly and I realized that every time I started telling my story whether it was to patients that was first sharing theirs or it was my the staff, my colleagues and friends I realized that so many of them started coming back to me and telling their stories hmm. and so many of them started telling me thank you so much for talking about mental illness mm-hmm. um, I, I have been suffering from anxiety or I have also had a depression or my spouse or my family member or my child. So the all the com- combinations of uh, me realizing this heavy stigma that was around mental illness and then the change I started seeing with my patients, I knew that there was something here that I had to do something about and I felt an enormous urge to share and I think it was a large role was the nurse in me that I saw that there was a need, and I had now all of a sudden through this pain gained the knowledge that it was it was my duty to share for everybody else coming after us,
1: mm-hmm. and in
2: order for my daughter to lead a productive life, I knew that we had to share this, so I actually asked my daughter for permission um to share the story and She's a very, very brave young woman, and she said to me, "If telling my story can help others, then I want to talk about it." Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's actually how I was introduced to Musicure, and then then I reached out to the Danish composer and uh, entered into a whole new alley of nursing that I had never been in before, called nurse entrepreneurship, and. That was another huge adventure and very, very scary.
1: Yes, very much so. Um, we're coming up to a break, and I'm just thinking this might be a nice place to um, take it. And then when we come back, maybe you could talk a little bit about Niels Eyer, who is the man that uh, developed, composed the music, and then worked with other researchers to uh, get it approved through your FDA. And um, mm-hmm. And then maybe we can play a little bit of what that's all about so um, we this is once a nurse always a nurse exploring the world of nursing I'm talking today with Ann Taylor who is um, working with uh, mu- well our title here I guess is music international language and medication and Ann has been working with music that is healing that actually can can be used like a medication so we will be back in just a couple of minutes and thank you for listening
3: you. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900 percent, and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421.
0: Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time.
3: A fresh look at today's health. Voice
0: America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to America at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back to
1: Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and I'm here today with Ann Taylor, and we're talking about music as an international language and medication. Um, Before the break, we had been um, uh, talking a little bit about uh, Ann's journey into nursing and then how she got into hearing about this product uh, was because she had a daughter who was nine and was having some depression problems and that enc- uh, encapsulated or en- encompassed the whole family. And her mother brought this from uh, Denmark with her. So Anne, can you tell us a little bit about the music? What was it and about the composer and how this came
2: to be? Absolutely. So Music Cure Music as Medicine is designed by a Danish composer by the name Nils Eye. He's a classically trained composer. He's played uh, for the Danish Symphony Orchestra for over 25 years. And back in his young days, he actually played with Miles Davis for a little bit. And and in the late 90s, um, a group of doctors from the University Hospital of Copenhagen got a, a grant from a fund to start to do some research to see what the uh, what it could do to bring some music into specifically the ICU. And they contacted Nils Eye and asked him if he could compose a couple of pieces or compositions that they could play for their patients. And then that just started growing slowly. And based on the results that Nils Ayer got back from the research team at the university hospital, he started uh, tweaking his composition and, and expanding it But from the very beginning, he based his compositions on a slow rhythm of a heart rate around 60 to 80 beats, because that's actually the heart rate that we all recognize and know deep down inside of us from when we are in utero. And then some of the results that came back was very clear that the patient, even though their eyes were closed, their ears was always open. So he started making and designing music that was very shang or less, very neutral, so it didn't matter what music you listened to prior to being admitted to the hospital. And he started integrating sounds of nature. We all kind of know that nature is calming, so but what but what he did was that he combined it with the acoustic classical instruments and Used that knowledge of that the ear was always open, and I think all nurses have always heard that even as patients are dying, mm-hmm. the last thing that leaves them is their hearing. So he used that ability to reach patients by so that his music would create images and inspiration of the life outside of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then from there, his research and composition just started growing and growing. And then more international researchers asked him if they could use his music for their research projects. And so none of the research that has been done with music cure is done by the composer. It's all done scientifically by individual scientists. And then they have just shared the research with him. Mm-hmm. And. It, it, it's so empowering because the research has shown that the body reacts to listening to Musicure in a way where, in one research project, they they did blood tests and saw that the cortisol level, which is your stress hormone, got mm-hmm. reduced so significantly, around 35 percent after 30 minutes of listening to Musicure and and another hormone called oxytocin that the body excretes when it mm-hmm. feels joy and contentment increased something like 51% wow. and they had, they had patients that um they did a research project at uh, at a hospital in Sweden where they had uh, children in a pacu area actually receiving less morphine than the patients that did not listen to music cure so it's quite powerful wow but it really attaches you to an innate feeling that we all have deep, deep, deep down inside of us. Like you said, back to the caveman, there was some kind of drumming mm-hmm. going on, some kind of music. Mm-hmm. So it just cre- it creates that lifeline to the life outside. And I think it's so important to think about and remind all nurses that when a patient enters the hospital, We feel comfortable in the hospital environment. We know what the machine sounds are. They don't. So when a patient enters a hospital, they're worried, they're anxious, and they're probably in pain, and they're really scared. So it is our job to kind of create a sound environment around them from the get-go that promotes healing, that promotes calmness, because the the few minutes uh, uh, that they have a doctor or a nurse at the bedside, there are many more minutes, hours in the day where they're laying in the bed, just waiting. What's the next thing that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, so, so meeting and connecting with, with, with Nils I has been instrumental for me. Of course, uh, my friendship with him have now generated that I have the rights to music here in North America, but, um, I work closely with him and uh, every time I'm in Denmark, I visit with him and he continues on uh, designing music and his mm-hmm. team continues uh, making music videos uh, what, that the patients can, can enjoy where they listen to the music, your music, and then they'll watch nature movies that will actually visually mm-hmm. take the patient on a journey through, through, through nature and take you away from the bed just for a little bit. I know that the hospital that I worked
1: or hospital organization that I worked with for um, 20, 20 some years, um, were using something like this, uh, two different channels that they had that had uh, video um, and music with it. Is this something different? Or um, is it the same uh, concept? Or um, you probably don't know um, how I, I, I just know that There are nature videos that you can buy too. So I don't know, is it different because what he's doing is that heartbeat um, speed?
2: Yeah, it is very, very different. There's actually only one kind uh, like Musicure because it's all evidence based. So it's all based on Mm -hmm. science. And that's something that we, of course, like in healthcare. But it's so it's all proven. And that's a very, very stark difference because there are lots of good videos out there and lots of relaxing music, mm-hmm. but it's relaxing, it's relaxing music that uh, is in the same category as mus- Musac, and you'll listen to right. it at the elevator. <laughs> it's very right. important to dis- distinguish between what happens for a human being when you are sick and when you are well, because it's mm-hmm. two stark differences. Musicure yes. has always, the sole purpose of his design was to be used in healthcare. Yes. The the, that's good to know. The vulnerability that happens when you are ill it puts you in a whole different perspective. That's why it's very, very important that the music your music is shungle-less, it's neutral so it does not give you these high emotions Mm -hmm. that you normally will hear in regular classical music. Because when you are ill you are a lot more sensitive to sound. So especially mm-hmm. if you think about a sedated patient, these high elevations mm-hmm. in classical music will be heard as a lot louder for that inner ear that's not able to adjust the sound,
4: mm-hmm. just
2: as noise in a busy unit is very harmful for the patient. So that's a very, very stark difference.
1: Um, you were able to share with me a documentary that was actually done by Niels Eyer. And um, it's just a very short one. I was thinking we could play it so that people could get a little feel for the music, but also the background of the science and what they were trying to do with it. So um, if uh, our Josh is ready, we'll go ahead and play that um, piece of documentary.
4: Imagine you're being hospitalized. You're anxious, worried, and stressed about the situation. The sights and the sound environment in the hospital only make it worse. Now imagine another kind of sound environment. Stimulating sounds of nature and specially designed music that supply comfort and inspiration. A lifeline back to something beautiful and optimistic. Musicure was created especially for this purpose in a unique collaboration between medical scientists and the composer and musician Niels Are. The Musicure music is a special kind of genreless music sound environment, clinically documented with thousands of patients during a five-year research project in Scandinavia no music has ever before been created in this interdisciplinary focal point between art and medical science. The specially composed productions focus on highlighting the musical elements that the research has proven to be most effective in relation to induce calmness, relaxation and positive optimistic inspiration and at the same time reduce the feelings of stress anxiety and other negative conditions
5: incorporated into music is a variety of nature sounds that contributes to create a special kind of three-dimensional sound pictures or landscapes inspired by nature The aim is that these soundscapes can stimulate the sense of imagination and fantasy for the listener. I have recorded natural sounds on many different locations and use this material on equal terms with the instruments and all the other musical material in the compositions.
4: The leading musical parts are always played on acoustic instruments by highly professional artists which also includes the composer Niels Eyer himself, who for many years was principal oboe in the Danish Radio Symphony Orchestra.
5: The music itself seeks to bypass the traditional well-known music genres in a way that opens up for a neutral and universal experience, focused on creating a calming and adventurous voyage in music and sound.
4: The truly unique expression and effect of MusiCure lies very much in the production process, where the many layers of musical elements are combined with the sounds of natural ambiances, always with a slow underlying rhythm that equals the human heartbeat, the primeval life-giving musical experience we all heard during the embryonic stage of our life. Because of the comprehensive scientific documentation behind the Musicure productions, this CD series is only available at pharmacies, equivalent to all other kinds of medicine that have been thoroughly tested and documented on a
5: clinical basis. Since the first CD in the musicure series was released in 2003, many new areas of use for this music has been presented to us, mainly through feedback and many personal testimonials from people of all generations, genders and parts of society, all of them writing about their personal experience with musicure. The applicability of the music also includes all kinds of clinics with various therapies, as well as sophisticated spa, wellness, and treatment centers where specially designed Musicure programs can intensify the visitor's feeling of relaxation, well being, and soothing treatment. As composer of Musicure, it is my profound wish that people will be able to benefit from Musicure in the way it is intended. A tool for de-stressing and relaxation as well as inspiration and motivation in everyday life.
1: To play that to the end, so that um, uh, everyone could really get a feel for it. Uh, for the, um, the the, I was getting really relaxed as I'm sitting here and um, thinking about it. And for me, what this does is it comes right into the crisis that we have right now in the United States, and I think across the world, uh, with so much um, anxiety and. Uh, fear. And all of those things that seems to be um, uh, the aspects of our lives just enhance that fear and that anxiety. Um, I recently heard that 60% of uh, adults in the United States are on some uh, sort of antidepressant. That is depressing. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't doubt it at all. What are your thoughts when when you think about um, how this has helped your family and, and how it's helped some of your patients?
2: You know, um, I, I think it, th- there's many components to this. Um, I know a couple of times I talked about that we uh, need to have a larger vocabulary, and I think change is coming because, the numbers that you're quoting sound very correct, and there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot of famous people. There's a lot of sports stars, like Michael Phelps, for example, that have come out and talked about their own struggles with a, a, with a mental illness, and it provides a light that is uh, easy for other people that are sitting in the dark to see. But it's very important to remember that the body is connected to the head, where we have our brain, and we so often kind of disconnect those two and forget that all human beings have physical health equally with mental health. Mm -hmm. And you can't separate one from the other. They are completely intertwined and interconnected. And I think any nurse will agree on that when you have a patient with a physical health problem, they will also at some time in in the disease process tell you or you will find out that they're not mentally doing very well because one Mm -hmm. thing affects the other. And I think that's really a light that has to be shined on it. According to uh, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, one in every fifth American will, at some point in their lifetime, have a mental illness or an, a, a mental health uh, episode struggle. They would, they they will encounter it. And I think um, I see a change happening uh, also in the schools, where there are different states that are now changing it and allowing for what I love. Uh, it's called taking a mental health day. Yes. So they are yes. they are kind of allowing that you can call in. You don't have to have a fever or a rash or a regular physical diagnosis. You can actually call in, and it's it's legitimized to say I'm taking a mental health day. Mm-hmm. In in the Great Britain they they call it I'm taking a dovey day, meaning you're going to stay home until you dovey. But and I see a change <laughs> happening. I just don't. Uh, I, I Sadly, I don't think it's happening fast enough. There is mm-hmm. such an increase in suicide. I think I've seen a statistic that said every 12 minutes somebody dies by suicide yeah. in the United States. Let's, let's stop here because we, we are due for a
1: break. And really I want to pick up on this because the suicide rate for doctors and nurses is going up every year. And it's... Uh, in the last few years is higher than it has ever been so I think this is a really good direction for us to go so we're going to take a quick break here and um, uh, too bad we can't play the music while we're on break (laughs) so we will be back this is Once a Nurse Always a Nurse exploring the world of nursing I'm Leanne Meyer we're talking about music as an international language and medication and I'm talking with Ann Taylor
0: Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness.
3: If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900%, and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer, Casey Trump, today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421.
0: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right.
3: The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events
0: We're listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to LeanneVoiceAmerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse.
1: Yes, welcome back, and thank you so much for um, staying with us. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse exploring the world of nursing. I'm here with Ann Taylor, and we're talking about music as the international language and medication. And I think from here, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about mental health, partly because it's something that is not talked about. And yet, as I said right before break, the numbers of doctors and nurses that are committing suicide and and operating not at their best self is going up exponentially. And um, I think it's something that as doctors and nurses, we tend to think of ourselves as exempt from these issues that are impacting everyone else around us, uh, except we're in such high um, high risk and high um uh, stress kind of situations on a daily basis and sometimes on a minute by minute basis. So um, let's talk just a little bit about that and um, what your thoughts are about healthcare personnel and what they need to do.
2: You know, it's uh, something obviously that's very near and dear to my heart. I think uh, first of all, I think we have to go back to the education institutions. Uh, so we need to go back to the nursing schools. I know that they are focusing uh, on it in the, in the medical schools and change is starting to happen. But I think for nurses, we are these compassionate, caring people that for some people, they think we're just endless, full of, of love and compassion. But you can't keep pouring out an empty glass, and there are so many nurses that don't even have a glass. Mm -hmm. So it's something. It's something about that. When we talk about what skills you need to have as a nurse, um, it took me many, many years to be, before I was kind of given that gift of that it was okay to take care of myself. And it was really not until I was introduced to, um, he goes under the name of being the inspirational nurse, and she absolutely is Donna Cardillo. She told me that self care. Was mandatory and it was just a routine upkeep of your own body, mind, and spirit. And it had nothing to do with luxury. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I always thought that self care meant that I had to go to a spa and spend a lot of money. (laughs) But self care also Mm -hmm. could just be that you take five minutes to enjoy your coffee or that you give yourself the permission to go outside and enjoy the sunshine or the wind in the trees or. Uh, value your sleep, and so so things that that for the naked ear can maybe sound very very simple. But as a nurse, mm-hmm. we are just constantly giving of ourselves, and we are constantly helping our colleagues and have everybody's backs and uh, ask to uh, work faster and take an extra shift, and and we do that because yeah. we care for our patients. But and don't take a break short. and don't eat, and yeah. you certainly don't have time to go to the bathroom. No, and I also think as much as we are good at taking care of the patients, we are not always so good at taking care of each other. And I think the more we talk about mental health in the nursing industry, I think nurses, it will become more natural for them that if they see a colleague struggling a little bit, to go up to that colleague and say, it looks like you're having a rough day, I'm here for you. Would you like Mm -hmm. to talk or can I check on you tomorrow? Or if you call in sick, Mm -hmm. I'm going to call on that person or I'm going to go to the house just to make sure that they're okay. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, also provide, and that probably comes from administration and and nursing and management, to provide a stage where we talk about it's okay not to be okay. We can't Mm -hmm. always walk around as these energized, compassionate nurses that can just empty out and just give and give and give. And, and, and yet we expect that of ourselves,
1: and yeah, others sure, often sure. expect it of us. I was thinking about oftentimes, you know, you've had a bad day at work. You're not, for confidentiality uh, reasons, you're not supposed to go home and talk about it with a spouse or your children or your neighbor or whatever else. Um, but unless somebody really takes some time and, find, you know, maybe seeks out the, the chaplain or Uh, maybe goes for a cup of coffee with a nurse that experienced it with you or whatever it is you might do, you tend to just try to push it away. And then you get home and you realize you're snapping at your children. Um, when you were talking about, you know, helping each other on the unit, one of the things that came to mind for me is, um, how things happened like in my family. Um, We did not, you know, acknowledge that there was any that mental health was something, or mental health um, problems or illness was something somebody else had, not us, Mm -hmm. and um, it really was considered uh, weak character if you um, had any kind of a mental illness. And so when that started to erupt in my family, it was just ignored for as long as humanly possible. And then when it was impossible to ignore it any longer, we did finally get some therapy, both as individual and as a family. But even at that, it was still, we were not allowed. This was the big secret. You do not take this outside of the five of us. And so still there was, you know, need to be able to um, um, have a a downtime with it. Who can I talk to that isn't part of the family? Um, Those kinds of things. And I saw a billboard um, a couple of years ago that was up. And as I was going by, it really struck my attention because it said, if we treated diabetes and cardiac problems the way we treat mental health, we would have a huge increase in, um, in deaths from, you know, uh, physical things. So somewhere along the line, we decided it was okay to have physical problems and you could go to the doctor and you could even talk to other people yeah. about what you had, but not mental health
2: still. You're hitting it right on the nail. Uh, There are uh, millions of other families out there like yours, uh, and uh, my husband and I are both from families that are just similar to yours. We just decided that uh, it was going to stop right here, and we were going to change the trajectory of our families. And I can now see the results because I have well-functioning uh, teenagers that uh, know themselves and uh, know their body and mind and spirit uh, in a way that I never mm-hmm. knew at the age that they now have. So I mm-hmm. know that, and by by being open and by get, getting the help that you need, because you would never do. Deny your child any kind of care if it came with if it was physical care, right. like you said, with cancer or diabetes. So the same thing goes in healthcare, and I think most nurses can recognize that once you have documented that the patient is alert times three, you move on to the next thing, whether right. the leg is broken or if the dressing has been changed. Mm-hmm. And if you see on the medical history that they take a antidepressant drug, then you move on to, or maybe sometimes they're even being judged. So mm-hmm. it's, the more conversations we can have around mental health like you and I are right now and the more that it will be incorporated into the nursing education, I think change will happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen slowly in generation by generation. Um, and the more famous people that actually come out and talk about their mental health struggles the mm-hmm. brighter the light is being shined on, on the issues, and then I think change will happen. But it's it, it hurts me tremendously when I see how many children and young people that are really suffering in silence and that are trying to alert their parents but are not getting the attention that they need.
1: Mm-hmm. And many times the parents are just so overwhelmed that they can't take on, even if they notice there's something, they don't know what to do about it, and it's just easier to ignore than it is to acknowledge. So yeah, You
2: know, I, um, I, I, I ran into uh, one, one of my uh, hospital clients, there was a nurse who, who told me, you know, I run into the nurses' lounges uh, when I t- want to try to breathe, And she said, it's not that I have time to sit for a half an hour lunch. I don't know what nurse has that long of a break anymore. But she said, when I come in, go to the bathroom, take a sip of water. And when music is on the TV in the lounge, Mm -hmm. it just kind of cues me. in. so, like you just said, you felt relaxed listening to the music for a couple of minutes in that education Mm -hmm. video. She said that the few minutes I'm in the nurse's lounge, it just kind of brings my breathing down. And I feel that I have a little bit more energy to go out there again. That calmness that the nurse experienced, she's going to go and project that calmness to the patient. Right. And our patients spending all this time in the bed, they pick up on all of our verbal and nonverbal communication that we as nurses are providing.
1: And they assume it has something to do with them. We have just about mm-hmm. two minutes left here before the end. Can you uh, share? Is there maybe you've just said it? What is the most important message for nurses?
2: To take care of yourself first. Yeah. I, I, it took me many, many years to, to realize that, but it's okay. You're actually a better nurse when you take care of yourself first. Absolutely. So that means, you know. Get, get get your good sleep, and whatever it is that fills your own bucket, but take care of yourself first. Because you, if you don't take care of your own mental health, you can't take care of anybody else. That means your family, your patients. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important message to take away.
1: Mm-hmm. So even having that insight to yourself that when you are holding your body in a certain way or you find yourself, you look in the mirror and you have those wrinkles across your forehead, take those as cues that um, things are not going real well within you and and be able to give yourself just, even sometimes it's deep breathing, but just reminding yourself that you do need and you should give yourself that that time. So there's so much more we could talk about this. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to um, thank you certainly for coming on and being with us and I hope that uh, people who are in charge of hospitals and making decisions about what, what goes on over the intercoms or on the TVs or whatever might um, look into this. If they do want to do that, how would they be able to um, get a hold of you or um, how would they go from here?
2: Well, they could visit my website at scandichealth.com. I'm also on LinkedIn under Ann Taylor at Scandic Health, and I'm also uh, I also have a Twitter handle um, at Scandic Health. But just think about the next time you do your rounds in the hospital. Watch what's on the TV. On most TVs in hospitals, is actually the news that are running 24/7. Oh, yeah. That's probably yeah. the least uh, anxiety-reducing program that you can have in a healthcare setting. Exactly. So just think about that when you walk around, and then think about how you felt if you or somebody in your family were, were ill. Because the vulnerability that you feel when when you are stricken by illness is breathtakingly painful, mm-hmm. and, and 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 you you will you will need you will need something to provide a calmness around you even though and that you,
1: I hate to you, interrupt but we have to close the session here today sure. it's been wonderful this is certainly um, a topic wow. that is after my own heart and I just wanted to say today is my two-year anniversary doing the show and um, have been making lots of decisions about going forward and how and if and and you know why or whatever so I really appreciate all the people who write in and contact me on LinkedIn or on my email Leanne VoiceAmerica uh, at gmail.com with your ideas for guests with your suggestions for topics and um, any other um, input you can give me thank you so much